We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. Hey, I got a bone to pick. <laughs> Guys, I am so fired up. Sleep deprived and all. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you probably cut off your hot dog. You don't need it on a pot. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. We are presented by our partners over at BetMGM. We have John Fanta here. My name is Rob Doster and we have a smug, happy, ambitious and fired up Terrence Oglesby today. And look, you know, if I'm saying no eye contact, no eye contact, he's fired up today. He's always fired up. So if I have to say at the start of the show that he's coming on and he's got some juice to him, you know, it's going to be a big day. T.O., we're going ISO ball, baby. Clear out. Let him cook. Let him cook, Fanta. Two things. Two things. I put out a tweet today and I feel good about it. And I I don't regret it a bit. I'm going to read it for you. Just because we just we it's it's time having Boo Corrigan on ESPN not backing the league's an issue. And it's an issue that's been the same issue the whole time. And I know we're not a college basketball place, but it is what it is. They have much bigger problems in my beloved ACC, and this is one of them. You don't black your own league? Are you kidding me? I know you're trying to get your butt out of there, but relax a little bit. You have to back the people that are there. You can't go thirteen and zero and not make college football playoff when it was made for the Power Six. If you go undefeated, you should at least have a shot. What are we doing? What are we doing? We need to figure out what we're doing because we don't know what we're doing. ACC especially doesn't know what it's doing. You have to respect each other within the league. And I almost feel like this was a a slide against Florida State for raising some questions prior to the season. That's exactly what this feels like. Forget your grudges. Forget your grudges. Stand up for the league. There's going to be infighting. There's always infighting. I, I love all these stories, Fanti. I think you'll you'll go with this, with Dan Gavitt and how everybody was always arguing in the Big East. Every coach is arguing. They're mad. They're cussing each other. But when they're on the outside and the season starts, it's the best league in the country. That it, 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 And even if it isn't, they at least back each other to that point. You back each other within the league. We've got analysts on ACC's network accusing people of tampering. That happens. That should never happen. You've got just ADs of certain schools just trying to stick it to other schools in the conference. Should never happen. It's ridiculous. That's why. That's one reason I'm fired up this morning. I felt like Florida State should have gotten in because they were undefeated. You can't screw the other 60-something-odd kids on that team just because one guy goes down with an injury. I understand. That team deserves to be in. They deserve it. I don't care about the bet. You have to deserve the chance. You have to deserve the opportunity. And they are just taking it away. 
just because Alabama is going to have better ratings. We all know that. We all know that. They almost right. lost to a 6-6 six and six Auburn team two weeks ago. I don't want to hear shit anybody has to say about Al Alabama being a better team because they have fucked everything sideways since the beginning of the season. I don't want to hear it. It's ridiculous. It should never happen. I understand you want an SEC team in there because, gosh darn it, that's what it all has to do with. Hey, look, this is look. expedited. This is ex no, I'm not done. This is expediting the departures out of the ACC. It's driving mm -hmm. me nuts. Go ahead, Rob. Well, no, here's here's the worst thing about it to me, and, and I, I could not agree more with you with, with, with what you just I know this is a college basketball podcast, but I got to get this rant off my chest. Like This is ridiculous. If you go undefeated and you do not have a chance to play for a national title, you are not a real sport, okay? You're a fucking yeah. joke of a sport, all right? And here's the problem that I have with it. College football has taken a fucking grenade to all of college athletics, okay? There is a reason why. Rutgers and UCLA are going to be in the same conference. There is a reason why West Virginia and Arizona are going to be in the same conference. There is a reason why Miami and Stanford are going to be in the same conference. It's college football. Everybody is chasing those college football dollars. And we have an undefeated team, a team that beat Florida on the road by more than Missouri did the week before, right, without Jordan Travis. A team that beat number 14 Louisville in the ACC championship without Jordan Travis, a team that actually challenged themselves, that went through the ACC, which is supposed to be one of the Power Six conferences, right? You go through and you do all that and you're undefeated and you don't have a chance to play for a national championship. That's a fucking joke. And this joke of a sport is why college athletics looks utterly insane right now. What are we doing? Why? Where's the leadership? Who's making these decisions? They're all chasing the dollar. They're all chasing the SEC. They're all chasing the Big Ten. It, it, it pisses me off to no end. And if you think if you think Florida State is going to go away quietly for being relegated to the Orange Bowl here, there, there's no chance. There's going to be legislation. There's going to be Congress members coming out fired up about this. We're going to see this end up going to the courts. This is going to be a disaster. Okay, yes. it's going to be an absolute mess. And the last thing I'll say, the ACC is the the league that started this insanity two decades ago when they went and they raided the Big East. They raided Miami. They raided Virginia Tech. They raided the best football programs in the conference in the early 2000s because they saw this coming. They wanted so badly to be relevant in football that they turned what was the best basketball conference in the country with Duke and North Carolina and Maryland, all of these rivalries and Coach K and Roy Williams and everything that made college basketball great. It was the ACC, right? And they tried to get good at football and diluted that product. It is what it is. They're better this year, T.O., but they diluted this product. So yes. the last thing, and, and now they're in a situation, Fanta, where the undefeated league champion is left out of the playoffs. Karma is not just a guy on the Chiefs, Fanta. Yep. <laughs> it's not like you guys wanted Virginia Tech anyway. Okay, here's the deal. Hmm. The playoff format is changing a year too late. And, yep. and that's the fact of the matter. I, I, I think that this will produce legislation. It's obviously producing massive anger. And the cards aligned to produce a scenario where anybody would have been arguing, ticked off, furious, because your format screwed up. This format was never great. And thank God, thank God for the NCAA tournament. Thank God for March Madness. And this is further evidence yes. why it should never be messed with. Because if it's messed with by power brokers by power conference people 
who are only invested in their own interests and their own television dollars. Right. You will not have Furman over Virginia. You will not have Princeton over Arizona. You'll never get FDU over Purdue. You will see a bunch of 8, 9, 7, 10, Auburn and Iowa, okay? Um, mm, I'm trying to think here. You know, you're going to see a bunch of middle-tier type of games. You're going to see TCU playing Wisconsin. You're going to see a bunch of that in the early rounds of your tournament. Could it produce a buzzer beater? Could it produce a great game? Yeah, it could. But the little guy won't be taken care of. Not to say that Florida State's a little guy. They're not. They went undefeated in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But you and I and all of us know they were never going to leave out the Southeastern Conference because Greg Sankey dictates all. The SEC dictates all in football. They were never going to leave that conference champion out. Is this going to produce some massive shift change? Florida State's pissed off. Here's the thing, Florida State. You ran your mouth over the summer and you tried to get out of your conference. Nobody wanted you. What were you thinking? You're going to be in a playoff format next year where you would have gotten the automatic qualifier. Embrace that. Embrace the AQ. Because you know what? There's no guarantees if you move to some different league that you're going to be able to get that AQ. You stay in the ACC, it's your best chance to get the automatic qualifier. Look, the thing stinks. More than anything, I feel terrible for the kids. The kids work their asses off all year. But I got to be honest with you guys. When people ask me why I don't watch college football a ton, I watched it more this year than I have in a while. You know why? I felt like there were six or seven teams that could win the national championship. Still believe that, that any of the four could, could end up winning it. I really, I really do. I think the Michigan-Alabama winner probably wins it, but we'll see. I have struggled to watch college football. Because, to me, the 12th best team versus the 17th best team doesn't make any difference between the 8th best team and the 21st best team playing. The game has no significance for me because of this stupid playoff format. It it, it doesn't matter. You're supposed to have a chance to win a national title when you show up in August. And so if you have one bad day or a player gets hurt, now you can't win the national championship? That's terrible. Yep, I agree. All right. Second thing I'm fired up about. What, no, hold on. Are we are we good? We we all got that off our chests. Yeah, I'm done. We all, we all feel better. All right, good. Yeah. For the record, Usa. I thought they put I thought they put the best four teams in. That's just my opinion. But but whoever your best four are, that's just it. Your best four are different than my best four are different than your best four. It's a subjective system that stinks. It stinks. To you got a Clemson backcourt over there. I do. You, There's a big game on? happening on Wednesday. I can't remember the last time South Carolina and Clemson rivalry game. It's going to be against two 7-0 and teams. More than likely, one is going to be ranked. And here's the thing. There has never been more momentum for this game, I can't remember, over the last, gosh, what, 20 years? With both teams being undefeated, both teams starting to generate momentum. Lamont Paris is starting to get a lot of in-state South Carolina kids. Brad's bringing in some different pieces and Joe Girard and generating some excitement, winning at Pitt and then beating, winning at Alabama. That's a hell of a week. And then you're coming off really playing well and finding different pieces. It's a different guy almost every night. It's pretty awesome. Now they have a big test and a rivalry against South Carolina, who hasn't played the same schedule. I understand all that. But still, 7-0, 7-0. You guys know my pick. It's right behind my head. I think Clemson's going to win in probably 10 to 15 points. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a great uh, game on Wednesday. Yep, I, I, I agree. All right, uh, Fana, 
I want to I want to ask you this because you were on the call for um for TCU Georgetown which had one of the wildest endings. Like it was a wild wild weekend in college basketball. We had a lot to get to, but it had one of the wildest endings I, I can I can remember. Uh for people that missed it, there was a TCU had the ball down by 2 2.7 seconds left. Got to go the length of the court. Uh guy hits like a falling out of bounds three-pointer that banks in from 40 feet. Stepped out of bounds. They can't review it because it wasn't called. And meanwhile, you're just sitting here. What take me? I don't want to spoil the call. Explain the call. That this is my big question. You had one of the most unbelievable calls I've ever heard. Did you have that planned? Do you head into a game and no. you say, "Okay, this guy, what his name is? I have a I have a, a call playing for every person if they hit a game winner." I just <laughs> that was quick, man. That was awesome. Well, thank you, Rob. And oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And in the spirit of the Christmas season, Emmanuel is God with us. And when I was prepping for the game, Emmanuel Miller, who is the older brother of Leonard Miller, uh, who went on a G League Ignite now uh, in the NBA, Emmanuel, it said in the TCU notes, and Stephen Schoon from TCU, their SID, does a great job, uh, very thorough. And Stephen put in the notes that Emmanuel has a tattoo on his left arm that says God with us. Well, Emmanuel, that is a man. That's what Emmanuel means. So that said to me, Emmanuel takes a lot of pride in his name. So when he is having 14 points, 17, 20, he's drilling shot after shot. You don't prepare calls and you don't do it with TCU. TCU goes 10 deep. Jamie just, he looks to his bench. He puts somebody else in. It, TCU is deep. I mean, they're, they, they've they got nine guys on their team who have had 20-plus points in a game before in college. There's a lot of guys who have been able to do that. But Emmanuel's having the hot day. With about five minutes to go in the game, he's having such a great day that I thought, if this kid has a dagger dunk or a dagger shot, Emmanuel, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Hmm, maybe that'll come in handy. I didn't script it. I didn't write it in my notes. I just kind of had it in the back of my brain. And then it looks like Georgetown's going to win this game. Georgetown was down by 15. They looked dead to rights, buried. And Ed Cooley did what he does. And that place, had it sounded like it was getting, the cobwebs were getting, you know, uh, picked out of it. Because I haven't heard Capital One Arena get any sort of noise in years. And it looked like we were going to go down to the wire and Jaden Epps gets fouled. Here's this basketball scenario for everybody. TCU had no timeouts. 2.1 seconds left. What's the only way TCU is going to get a shot off? It's going to be a three, right? Right? Yep. Does, the sec- does the second free throw matter to go up two? Missed the free throw with two seconds left. You, Epps made the free throw. Cooley subs in Drew Fielder. As Cooley subbing in Drew Fielder, Jamie Dixon goes, draws, mm. literally uses that as like a 10-second timeout. Play gets made. Miller hits the shot. His foot is out of bounds. We do not realize it in the moment. We do not realize it in the moment. I always keep my phone when I'm calling a game right here. I looked at my phone. A referee and a coach texted me and said, not reviewable. Sent one text back. I said, absolutely positive. They said, no question in my mind. Not reviewable. Nobody else has that. We're not getting an explanation from the officials. Not a very good job there. You know, the crew needed to explain something to us. I don't have any explanation in the moment. 
unless I get those text messages. Mm. That enabled me to clean it up and say, for everyone who's angry, by the letter of the law, this is not a reviewable play. Should right. it be reviewable? I, I would just say this. On any buzzer beater, game winner, you know, go ahead, shot for the win. Just, just like we see in other sports, I'm a believer that anything and everything should be able to be looked at because that is legitimately the game. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, letter of the law, amazing shot, unbelievable win for TCU, and an absolute gut punch for Georgetown. Yep, brutal. Brutal. But, um, but I don't script it, Rob. To answer your question, I do not script it. And, you know, with those types of calls, you need a great partner uh, and last year, Terrence, you and I worked the game, and and you, you know, you you allowed kind of me to capture that moment. Uh, it's it's an analyst job to talk over replays and and give us all the analysis in that one big yep. moment. That's when a play by play guy's got to be ready. And I give an immense amount of credit to Nick Ba. He laid out, and uh, shout out to Nick. He's a great broadcast partner as well. Ocom, Ocom, Emmanuel. That was awesome. What a moment! What a shot! What a what a win for TCU! And uh, you know, it's tough loss for Georgetown. Those those are the ones that are hard to take. All right, that was not the only insanity that happened in college basketball this weekend. There's a lot. There's a lot. There was a lot of shit that went down. Purdue lost mm-hmm. at Northwestern. Boo Boo he goes for thirty one and nine. No turnovers. Marquette goes up to the Cole Center. Get smacked around a little bit by Wisconsin. They made it interesting in the second half, but Wisconsin was in control of that game more or less throughout. UConn goes on the road, loses to uh, to Kansas by four. Duke goes on the road, loses Tyrese Proctor, then loses at Georgia Tech. Kentucky, fresh off of putting 95 points up on Miami, fresh off of being the team that we're all sitting here being like, hey, I think the Wildcats got a chance to win the title. Look how good these guys are. Turns around and loses at home to UNC Wilmington, albeit without DJ Wagner. Siddles. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. Could coach, man. He could coach. Out yeah. of T.O., I'm going to go to you first on this one. Out of those teams, who are you most concerned about? Out of those five losses, five top 12 teams go down. Who are you most worried about? As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm going to be honest with you. Not, not really any of them. Not really any of them. I, they basically stand with me the exact same way that they were standing before the loss. Um, let, let, let's see. We're going through those again. Purdue loss, not worried. Marquette, they got out-rebounded big time. That's a concern. That's a concern. We've known that's a concern, but I think they got out-rebounded by 15. That's a large oh, number. Yeah. That's a large number. Uh, UConn's fine. Duke, Duke's going to – I'm worried about Proctor's ankle. That could be an issue. Georgia Tech going down there, having an injury right then at the beginning of the season or beginning of the game, that kind of made things difficult. And Damon Stoudemire is doing a sneaky good job down there. Yeah, they, they just beat Mississippi the, State. Yeah, they yeah. just beat the brakes off of Mississippi State. Uh, so Mississippi State turned around and lost at home to Southern. So maybe uh, maybe a win over Mississippi State isn't what we thought it was going to be. No, I or maybe they go to Georgia Tech and then Georgia Tech kind of exposes some of their inadequacies and then they're scrambling trying to fix it. I, I, or it could be both. Uh, if I had to pick one, the Marquette rebounding thing, that's a, that's something that really sticks out more than anything. But, guys, I'm not really overly worried. They've got to shoot the ball better, and Wisconsin really slows the pace down. That's the kind of the big thing. If you get, if you get out-rebounded by 15, I don't care who you're playing, you're going to struggle to win. Hmm. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. Duke was on there? Duke yeah, was on there. Five. It's got to be Duke. It has to be Duke. I mean, you that this past week was miserable for them. And the things that we thought were problematic, I'm not saying that you think differently of them now. But the fact is this team struggles from the perimeter. I mean, they, they, they did not shoot the basketball well in either game. But against Georgia Tech, really just, just bad. Five for 17 from three. Uh, just not good enough. They don't have enough threats. And, and then the rim protection is an issue. Um you know, they, they they really struggled against Georgia Tech to defend the lane. And this is concerning for Duke. This was a team that entered as preseason number two. Preseason number two. And the road losses for preseason John Preseason number one of the field of 68. 
Yeah, preseason number one in the field of 68. So, guys, if we're going to be very critical of a North Carolina last year, we need to be critical of John Shire right now. He's four and eight in true road games, four of 16 from three on, on Saturday. And, you know, what stood out to me is they just let Bay and Dongo, who's a good player, but they let him have his way. They let a six foot nine freshman go nine for 11 from the floor and really dominate and control the game with 21 points. Um, it, it's it's just not good enough. And and for this Duke team, Kyle Filipowski is, is putting up numbers. He's having a good start to the year. That's not surprising. You know, does Tyrese Proctor go down a minute in the game? Yes, he does. But in this game, I just felt like on the offensive end of the floor, when Georgia Tech got Duke set up in the half court, I was asking the question, how is Duke going to be able to keep Georgia Tech's defense honest? And I like Caleb Foster. He came off the bench again. He had a good game. He's playing well for, for Duke. Shire's got to find a five that works for him. And right now, they, that's, they're that's my question with, not, they're not to trying to figure it out. I don't yeah. know who that lineup is. That that's my question with this Duke team, right? Like we're all I know we're concerned about the point guard play, right? Um Tyrese Proctor has not taken the leap that I expected him to take this year. Um I think other people expected that as well. Um Jared McCain has not come in and had the impact that a Reed Shepard or a Robert Dillingham has. Um Caleb Foster has had a couple big games. He's had a bunch of quiet games too. Jeremy Roach is a good player, but he is you want him has like this the complimentary piece in the backcourt. We get all that. That's all been there. But I think that there's enough pieces there they can figure it out. My big question to you, what do you do next to Kyle Filipowski? Yeah. Because Mark Mitchell's not like the anchor defensively. He's more of like a four. That means you have to play Kyle Filipowski at the five. You kind of lose some of that rim protection. You put Ryan Young out there. He's he's good in a role. He's a good backup big man in the ACC, but like he's also you can't take charges and you can't take charges this year. Yeah. So what do you what do you do at the five spot? And then the second part of it, T.O., is if you have questions at the, the point and you have questions at the five, you got a lot of questions because I think those are the two anchors that you really need in college basketball right now. What are the questions at the point? Just out of curiosity. What, I like, just, what's what's I the specific think, question? I don't think that any of them have been good enough yet what? to be to be like a title contending team, right? Like Proctor's been fine. Jared McCain has been a freshman. But if you want those guys, if, you want, if we're talking like, Duke number one team in the country. We thought Tyrese Proctor was going to be an All-American. They have the eighth best uh, turnover rate offensively in the country. They assist each other on 54% of the baskets. I it, I, I think all of it comes down to who's going to rim protect because Filipowski is struggling to do that. So that transitions what you do, everything defensively. Because Duke, Whenever they're guarding, they love to get out and pressure and pressure the passing lanes and push you out towards half court. The problem with that is if they get past that first line, there's nobody back there. Last year, there was somebody back there. Two years ago, there was Mark Williams back there. There's, there is there is no Derek Lively or Mark Williams. Like Now it's Kyle Filipowski, who's much more Matthew Hurt than he is than he is uh, Derek Lively. Correct? Like. That's the issue with them right now. They're going to have to outscore some more teams. That offense is going to have to be much better. Sorry, what, what, what did I say wrong? No, I just he's much more Matthew Hurt. I was like, whew, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> they're just – they're not – you're right. Like, they haven't been – the players that you expected to raise their game to another level. Like, maybe Proctor just is what he is, and that's not a bad player, but it's certainly not one of the best in the country. And, and I think they're just missing that. I mean – 
they're they're missing a, a dog. They're they're missing a dog who can who can just will them when they're not in Cameron Indoor Stadium. But what have they done? They've beaten Michigan State. That's it. And I kept them ranked because I still believe in them, and and that's getting criticized. Other people won't rank them on this Monday. I I'm keeping them ranked, but man. They don't have a dog, and they can't shoot the ball consistently. Who who's knocking down shots for this team on the perimeter? Well, I, that's that's kind of what Very I was mediocre. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Is like if you're not going to be really good defensively, you have to be like a top five offense in college basketball, right? That I'll we'll, we'll just compare them to North Carolina, right? North Carolina's got some of the same questions defensively that. Duke does right. They're maybe not exactly the same situation, but neither of them are going to be great on that end of the floor. Um, North Carolina has got a top five offense in the sport. RJ Davis is averaging 20 a game. We know how good Ooh. Armando Baycott is. You look at what Harrison Ingram's done when he's come in. Um, yeah. Elliot Cadeau, maybe not the scoring pop that we thought, but in his last five games, he's had 24 assists and two turnovers, averaging like 20. That's what we thought he was going to be for what yeah. it's worth. I, I didn't think he was ever going to score a ton of points. No, but I'm saying like he's out there and he's doing something very, very, very well. Yes. Whereas with Duke, like Caleb Foster was really good against Michigan State, didn't do too much, and then popped up against uh, Georgia Tech with 12, right? So my my big thing is, so let, let me ask you like this with Duke, Tio. Is this mm. stuff fixable, right? If we have questions about how good they are offensively, if we have questions about whether or not that point guard play, guard play is ever going to get to the elite level as opposed to just good. They're good. They're not bad but they're not elite. And we also have questions about what they are defensively. Like, is this just kind of a flawed roster or is this something where you think Shire can kind of put it together and figure it out? The the hard part about this is in order to figure it out defensively, you kind of have to change your identity a little bit, which is kind of the iffy portion about this because you still have guards that can cause problems. It's just, there's nothing behind it. That that's kind of the, scary part if i were a duke fan like you that roster is not suited to be like what it what they what their best teams have been right and now i there's never been a bigger premium on long athletic shot blockers in college basketball than there's been right now in this year Mm -hmm. just because of the change of the rules right like ryan young's just down there now he's just down there he's not taking charges He's just down there. And when you play super athletic teams, not saying Georgia Tech's like this monstrously athletic team, but I would consider Arkansas that. I would consider Arizona that. Like, that. that's where the problem arises. It's a really good point. It's so. a really good point. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch something at you guys. Okay. To me, the biggest concern that I have is with Kentucky. And the reason I say that it's with Kentucky, and I want, I want to put this into context. So, Oh, boy. Well, no, I I think that I think out Lexington. Well, I think what we've seen this week is exactly what we expected Kentucky to be this year. Right. When they are good, they are going to be unstoppable. That offense, when it gets clicking, when Reed Shepard's making shots, when Robert Dillingham is Robert Thrillingham, when DJ Wagner is able to be effective getting into the paint and making plays, when Justin Edwards is flying around, getting offensive rebounds, making shots, doing shit in transition, when um, when they have Trey Mitchell making threes and running the offense from the high post, when Aaron Bradshaw is coming in and doing similar stuff that Trey Mitchell is uh, now that he's back. I think that this team is, when they are at their best offensively, they are as good as anybody in college basketball, maybe the most dangerous offense in the sport when they get going. 
But a lot of that is reliant on guys like Dillingham who's a little bit streaky on guys that are going to make a bunch of threes and on transition. And when they can't get stops and they can't get out in transition and you have a guy like Dillingham, who's kind of having an off night. Like I think that we're going to see some real lows with this group as well. And I guess like, so what UNC Wilmington did in the second half was they kind of figured out that Trey Mitchell doesn't really like garden and ball screens. And they put a bunch of guys in ball screens and they forced some switches and they did some ISO stuff. And they basically just said like, look, we got a bunch of old dudes that have won at a good conference over the years. And we're going to just kind of bet that Trezarian White is going to be able to go out there and get a bucket, no matter who you put on them. That if we put Trey Mitchell on the ball screen, we're going to be able to, to find something to make it happen. Right. And Kentucky didn't really have an answer. And because they weren't doing much offensively and because they couldn't get out in transition, we kind of saw what their limitation is. So I think this week we've seen the ceiling for Kentucky and the floor for Kentucky. And my question, Fanta, is how confident are you that we can see a ceiling game from Kentucky without seeing a floor game and whether or not they can kind of raise that floor? You know what I mean? Like, you got to win six in March. That's it. That That's it. That's it. How confident am I in seeing the ceiling game six times in a row? Mm-hmm. Not, How, confident. Okay. not confident. I'm not confident in that. You have to win six in a row to, to win the national championship. So the answer is no, I'm not. I mean, could they catch the wave and ride it? Yes, yes. But the chances of that happening are fewer when you've got freshmen. There's no denying the talent that John Calipari has. Mm-hmm. Guys, if the game is close late and they're stuck in the half court, and you are doing enough defensively to force them into some contested looks. You're going to be able to hang in on the glass. UNCW out-rebounded Kentucky in this game. They out-rebounded by one, but that that's that shows you. It's not like not like UNCW has an unbelievable rebounder. Trezarian White just had a stud game. That kid is a bucket. I give, good. I give Trezarian credit for staying at UNCW. He's a mm-hmm. stud, man. And Takeo Siddle... Takeo hasn't put his name out there enough. He's going to get a bigger job. Uh, you know, he's done a great job with that program. But but to me, guys, like, this is how Kansas came back. Kentucky played an unbelievable first 28, 30. Well, actually, they didn't play great in the first 10 minutes of the game. They put together an unbelievable 20-ish minutes against Kansas. It was so good that they got a control on the game. They lost all control at the Champions Classic when Bill Self said, I will literally, off of a shot attempt, send three defenders back. <laughs> if you watch the game, you know, Dickinson and McCullough are running back to the other end of the floor when Harris is hoisting a shot. Because you just, you got to stick him in the half court. You got to stick him in the half court. This is one of Cal's better teams in recent years. But Cal's best teams are going to run. When the running is taken away from them, it's not that hard to to, to comprehend. They're just they're, they don't they're not a great half court offensive team. If if you look at at the figures here from Saturday, if you are able to limit a, a Justin Edwards, which they did to zero for five from three, uh, if you can limit Robert Dillingham, you you can't let Shepard and Dillingham get going in their mode. If, if both those guys are on, Kentucky's going to be able to win a lot of games and a lot of games in March. And I still believe in this Kentucky team. Uh, Big Blue Nation, 
you know, you hated me in the preseason for not ranking you. This is why, though. Like, this is legit. I'm just going to explain it right now. This is why I did not rank you. Because I have a I have trouble trusting you. You have top 20, 25 talent. You have the talent. But you are unproven in being able to string it together over the full course of a season. To me, guys, when they beat Miami, a lot of people were surprised. T.O., Miami's style plays right into Kentucky's hands. Yep. That wasn't that surprising, but they treated it like a Super Bowl win. It was a great win, but in this sport, you got to put it together, game in and game out, like your Clemson Tigers have. Boom. Boom. Uh, Reed Shepard was good in that game. I feel like that's worth mentioning. What game? Yeah. The game on Saturday? Yeah, Reed yeah. Shepard's been great all year. Reed, Reed Shepard was stupid good on he Saturday, is, okay? He has his been second so half, good. His second half, I think he had 23 and five assists in the second half. You know what's funny? is like in the offseason, all, all three of us were like, man, Cal's not even mentioning Reed Shepard with all these other freshmen. He's not even mentioning him, and he's far and away the best one. Yeah. Maybe that's far why. And away. It's not yeah. even close. He's not I, streaky. He's solid. His bad games are still solid. Oh, he's great. He's yeah. a T.R., I, I, I want to ask you this about Kentucky. Is okay. this just like freshman being freshman? Is this something where as you kind of get further into the season, as these guys kind of realize like, hey, look, you know what? You might have just beat the brakes off Miami. You might be feeling yourself a little bit. You still got to show up the next night. Is this just a learning curve for them? Because that's kind of where I'm at. If I'm Yeah, I, I think they I think they undervalued UNC Wilmington. I, I, I think they overlooked them a little bit. Like that's a good team. Chaos Siddle's put together a good team, and, and old teams can beat you sometimes. This has been the concern, guys. This has been the concern pretty much all year. Like, it, young teams in a world right now where the sport is so old, this is where it's concerning. Outside of that, I, I don't know that it's necessarily the young guys that didn't participate as much. I mean, Trey Mitchell, one of, what, what two of five? Yeah, and one great Got to have more there. Six boards. Got to have more there. You got to find ways. This is a game that Kentucky would have. Here, here's here's the conundrum. This is a game that Kentucky would have won last year because of Oscar Sheboy. Mm -hmm. This is a game that they lost this year because they don't have Oscar Sheboy. Yeah. Yet well, here we are, kind of. Yeah. I just I think getting Aaron Bradshaw there, um, that can be a little bit more of a defensive anchor. You mentioned long, athletic, big yeah. man. I think he'll be a better defender than like go back and watch anyone listening to this. If you want, if, if you want to see something funny, go back and watch uh, Trey Mitchell ball screens defensively. If you want to see somebody play like they, they, uh, Olay. Yeah. A little bit of the Olay, a little bit of the, uh, I'm not letting Trey Mitchell play drop coverage. Yeah. Letting Trey Mitchell play drop coverage. Let's just say maybe he isn't going to have him the most engaged that he can be. So I think that getting Aaron Bradshaw will help that. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. Especially if he's only going to go two for five. Aaron Bradshaw go two for five. Yep. Um, we got to talk about UConn, Kansas here in a second, but I do just want to ask you guys both really quick. So Purdue can't stop a point guard who goes for thirty-one and nine on the road. They have Brain Smith, who I think it was six turnovers. They commit four turnovers in overtime, which is more than Northwestern had for the entire game, and they give up ninety-two points to a Northwestern team. Is this more? Purdue playing a road game against an underrated Big Ten team that has a stud point guard, and this is just what happens on the road league play? Or is this a little bit more of the same? Like it, the the issues that we they had last year, 
kind of popped up again against Northwestern. T.O., I'll go to you first on this. Where Point guard play. I'm going to uh, – so now that I have a green screen, as you can see behind me, I'm going to put a button right here. That every time we have to talk about, it, I'm just going to hit this button. I'm going to put point guard play right there. Uh, you know what you need? You know you need yeah. to have the button be right where if you give a thumbs up, the thumbs up would pop up. <laughs> I, I cut it off. I cut it off. Uh, no, I, I'm not worried about Purdue. I think Boo Booey at home, Northwestern got some momentum. You're you're not going to go. You're, you're not going to win every game. I'm not worried about Purdue. Banna. I'm not worried about Purdue. I think that we we just are always going, a lot of us are going to take into account what happened last March to FDU and now equivocate that to a loss in early December and say, ah, there it is. There it is. There's those problems again. They have their flaws. <laughs> they have their flaws and they got exposed and but they lost the game by four at Northwestern. Right. I got to tell you guys, I don't understand like I know they lost Chase Audish, but this whole notion that Northwestern was going to take some massive step back—what are you, what are you looking at? It's because they're Northwestern, man. Like that's what. Oh, it's, it's like, that's wrong. It's, it's the name I mean, brand. Like you look at it and you just say it's Northwestern. It's the same thing as like if Purdue isn't doing well, or I'm sorry, if DePaul isn't doing well. It was like, oh, it's DePaul. You know, people just expect Northwestern to find a way not to get it done. I I don't think you could put anybody in the same category as DePaul. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's that's dude. That is. That's insulting to Northwestern. Northwestern, I mean, Chris Collins, it, it's 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 not like last year was totally novel. They had made the NCAA tournament and and won a game before, uh, only in his tenure. And other than Audish, they welcomed back a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Boo Boo, he's one of the best guards in the country. He is. He put on a masterclass performance. Again, the line, 31 points. Nine assists, no turnovers. You didn't mean to tell me that they didn't turn the ball. He didn't turn the ball over the whole game. Ryan Langberg's a winner. He came from Princeton. That was a great transfer pickup, very underrated transfer pickup. And when talking with Princeton coach Mitch Henderson, he said, I miss Ryan Langberg. We wish him the best. He's a winner. Well, he is a winner. Ty Berry is a winner. Brooks Barnheiser, you can't take him out of the game. He means a lot to them. He doesn't always accumulate the stats, but but he means a lot to that team. They're gritty. They defend enough. Now, now Friday was a different game, high-scoring game. Guys, it's very hard to only turn the ball over three times in a 45-minute span. Point guard play. Northwestern played a, a close-to-perfect game, and they beat Purdue in overtime, 92-88. to 88. Yep. All the credit belongs to Chris Collins here. I'm not tearing down the Boilermakers today. Yeah, that's that's kind of I, I rewatched the game um, late last night, and that's kind of where I've landed on this. Like, there's there's things that Purdue didn't do well, but you had to go for thirty one nine, no turnovers. The team make ten for twenty from three, play the way they did. Let's 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 give credit instead of uh, instead of Hamer and Purdue on this. One. Listen, guys, this is where I got to tell you about Volta. Volta is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It is where you can store your own predictions forever, and by using the Volta Challenge feature, you can prove you're better and smarter than your enemies like Jeff Goodman. So go download the app. It's V-L-T-E-D for free right now. Store your predictions and join daily cash prize pools. Tyler. Here's my challenge, man. We talked about it earlier. Kentucky, they blew the doors off Miami uh, earlier this week. It was yesterday. It was 95 to 73. The second half was one of the most impressive halves I've seen in a long time. I challenge you. 
I'm saying that Kentucky is going to win the SEC this year. I am saying they are the best team in that conference. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right. Speaking of getting credit, uh, UConn goes into the fog, loses 69 to 65. Um, Tristan Newton at 31. Kevin McCullough was awesome. But guys, I, I think the best player on the floor on Friday night was KJ Adams. God, what a points, story. Five boards was unbelievable defensively. What Kansas did was they switched everything one through four, completely took UConn out of uh, being able to run their offense. The reason they were able to do that is KJ Adams guards everybody. He is a freak. And then what they kind of, what UConn did defensively was like, all right, if KJ Adams is going to beat us, he's going to beat us. And he hit like four little 10 uh, foot jumpers in the lane. He was a, beast in the pick and roll like he had a couple dunks he was to unbelievable I, I was blown away with just how good he was he's going to be an nba player he's going to be a draft pick and if he gets drafted it's going to be because of that game making everyone be like oh damn my eyes are open now kj adams gonna be a draft pick i i, I bet i bet he'll if he's not a all right i don't i don't want to guarantee he'll be a draft pick but he'll make a roster in the nba at some point i think I, I look, I love KJ Adams. I and what a story. He had to go to his mom's funeral the next day. Uh, that sounds, first of all, condolences to him and congratulations for stepping up in such a way. Like, my goodness, I couldn't imagine having to do something like that. Um, you know what? I it's what makes he, he's kind of that swing guy for Kansas, in my opinion, because because he can't really shoot like he has to do all those other things ex exceptionally well. And against UConn, he did. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's just such a an amazing story in and of itself. I can't imagine the kind of the personal. What's the what's the correct term here? The the, the personal um emotions that he was going through and all that and still being able to muster up and play that well i, I thought it was a great thing uh kansas is for real uh uconn played well in spots they took the lead in the second half but it was like it, it's so hard to win in the fog so I, i'm not taking it you want to 
talk about giving credit and taking credit and I, I'm not tearing down UConn for losing against Fog Allen. Like, just not going to do it. So, uh, you know, KJ, super big, super switchable. He's the swing guy. He's got to do all those other things exceptionally well. And they they shot the ball. They they hit nine out of 14 threes. Let's call it what it was there. Too. Like, if, you, if Kansas shoots the ball well, they're really dangerous. Yep. Vanna? What Kansas did defensively to make Alex Caravan and Cam Spencer uncomfortable throughout the game. And Spencer dealt with uh, an injury within the game. But what they did to pressure UConn on the perimeter defensively deserves a lot of credit. It's the best Kansas has defended all season. They got they- three killers, man. Like, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCullough, and K.J. Adams are killers defensively, Fanna. They're very, very good. And they they made it happen. They guarded UConn to a level that not many teams are going to guard UConn at. Uh, certainly not North Carolina, who UConn will play Tuesday night at the Jimmy V Classic. I can't wait to see how that game goes down. But I give Kansas a lot of credit. They had to win the game a certain way, and they did. They out-toughed UConn. They, they defended them. I got to give credit to, to Connecticut, though. At one point in the game, I thought this was going to be a 15-point game, and it just was not going to be UConn's night. UConn showed their championship-level DNA on Friday night. UConn having a chance to win that game, having the lead. They led the game with five, six minutes to go. But Kevin McCuller, he hit a rainbow corner three that had served as a mini dagger at one point. He hit a couple of them late. But he hit one that made it a two-possession game late that just made you say, Holy smokes, this kid is is on another level right now. K.J. Adams, I, my condolences to you and your family. I give you, sir, uh, my my player of the week honor in, in a sea of a great bunch of great players of the week. Nobody's had to dealt with what you've had dealt with. Good for you, K.J. We're rooting for you. If you haven't read the feature by C.J. Moore at The Athletic, it's, it's awesome on K.J. from Friday night. Uh, but for Kansas, guys, like we we have pointed out some of their flaws, and here's where I'm going to go the other side. Look at who they've played. They've played Kentucky. They've played Tennessee. They've played Marquette. They've now played UConn. This is going to help them. They, they, they've been tested to the nth degree. Do I still have some issues with them in terms of their offense going through scoring laws because of a lack of perimeter weapons, Nick Timberlake being a letdown, Johnny Furphy still coming along? I do have issues with them on the perimeter, but you just said it. They do have some killers. And guys, Kevin McCuller is as improved as anybody in this sport on the offensive end of the floor right now. It's crazy how how nitpicky we get with the top of the country's teams, too. Because like right. That's Kansas right. on the Kansas on the year shooting 41% from three. <laughs> and like there has been some letdowns for sure. Like, yeah. They, yeah. they, they still, like, uh, on Friday, UConn got control of the game because Kansas was stuck. They were also yep. stuck. They were not getting stops. Yep. Folks, folks, UConn has an All-American. His name's Tristan Newton. Oh, man, he was so good. He, he was – his numbers! So what, what happened was – It's uh, absurd. When Kansas switches everything one through four, it kind of forced – like, it. so much of what UConn does offensively is they get offense out of, like, the, the shit that they run, right? They're going to run a set, then they're going to have a counter to it, then they're going to have a counter to the counter, and they get open threes, and they get layups, and they get seals, and they get pin downs, and they get guys running off these DHOs, and they throw lobs to Klingon, right? And when you switch one through four, it basically eliminates your ability to kind of run offense and pass, and it dares you to beat people one-on-one. 
in 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 switches and mismatches. And Kansas just said, look, we got KJ Adams, Kevin McCullough, and Dewan Harris. They're, you're not going to beat us one on one. And the only guy that could do it was Tristan Newton. Um, and he was terrific. Like, he had a bunch of ridiculous threes. Uh, to me, this kind of showed two things. One, um, UConn needs Cam Spencer to to kind of get help. Everything was short. I think it had like he missed a lot of shots because he just had no lift with he had a sprained ankle and then he hurt his other foot, or maybe he hurt his foot and then spread whatever it was, he he was not healthy. Um Alex Carabin didn't shoot well. Those guys are going to make more shots than they've been. Uh, it also showed they need Steph Castle back, right? The only other guy they have that can kind of make something happen one-on-one is Steph Castle. And when he gets back, I think that it, it changes things. What, what's that look for, T.O.? Wi-Fi, Rob. Wi-Fi. Rob, um, your Wi-Fi is wild, is wild right now. It just went out? They just came back. You're good now. All right. Well, hopefully uh, what I can do is just it'll record on my end um, and you guys didn't hear it. But the biggest thing okay. to me is is uh, Steph Castle. They need Steph Castle to get healthy. He's the other guy that can kind of create one on one for them. I feel very good about it. As, as strange as it sounds, I feel better about where UConn is after losing at Kansas than I did after beating Texas in uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, Marquette, that's the last thing I want to ask you about, T.O. Marquette. Are you worried at all about them? Was this just a rivalry game on the road against a, a Wisconsin team that, like, let's be honest, has kind of figured this thing out a little bit? Oh, I thought we already talked about Marquette. Though I'm just throwing it to you again. Oh, okay. We can talk about it again. No, uh, it again. I, I Maybe think my connection only... was unstable when I was trying to talk to you about Marquette. <laughs> uh, no, I, look, offensively, getting shots up, finding shooters, scores, not worried. Uh, first shot defense, not worried. It's that rebounding it's are they going to be overwhelmed like that's that's the issue that you run into in the ncaa tournament because it gets ugly then uh you're going to have to board and if you get out rebounded by 15 that's an issue that's going to be an issue doesn't matter who you play you're going to have to gang rebound and uh wisconsin just for lack of better terms they beasted them on the boards the rest of it i mean marquette's got to shoot the ball better but in order to at least stay afloat like you got a board, Panna. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin's got the formula to slow Marquette's offense down. This is the third straight year that the Badgers have beaten the Golden Eagles, so this is nothing new. Greg Gard knows what to do to limit Marquette offensively, and and he did it. They they did it. They came out and imposed their will, their style on the game. Also, Iguodaro only had five shot attempts in the entire game. That's a that's a flag. Because Iguodaro's been vital with that, that not mid-range, but short range. He's yeah. had a lot of those short range shots when he has those space, eight to, those eight to ten footers. When he has space to do so. Yeah. Wisconsin took away the middle. They said, You're not going to get into the middle of the lane and be able to do whatever you want with it. We're going to take that away from you. And they took that away for Oso Godaro to impact the game offensively. And then the other thing is they they look, you got to cut off the head and the snake. Sure. And they took Tyler Kolick and they guarded him. They got physical with him. They mucked it up. They played Big Ten basketball. Marquette plays Big East basketball, which features a little bit more up and down. Some No question toughness. No question toughness, but more scoring. Look at UConn. Look at Creighton. I got a stat on Creighton that might blow your minds in a moment. Hit, hit me. What is it? Creighton on Friday was 19th in Kempom. Today they're fifth. Because of a win at Nebraska? Uh-uh. Because of how they're playing. 
They they found it. They yeah. found it. Uh, they they had a bad performance against Colorado State. It was that bad, and they found it. And you know they what figured, else? You know what else helps? You know what else helps? Colorado State followed up the win over Creighton by beating yep. Colorado at home. By yep. beating Washington on a neutral, Colorado State is now number twenty-one in the net. They're uh, twenty-one in Ken Palm. They're number eight in the net. Um, yep. So that when when the teams that you have lost to see their computer numbers go up, it means your computer's numbers go up as a result. Yes, uh, but but the last thing about about Marquette, David Joplin was pegged to be the guy to replace Olivier Maxence Prosper. He's not Omax Prosper. And I think there's got to be a little tweaking there. I know that Shaka's the evergreen light, and I get it, uh, but and it, it makes sense. But Joplin can be streaky, and he went one for nine from three. When you're one for four, one for five, a defense says we'll live with that. You got to understand shot economy. And I thought that Marquette's shot selection, when they got close, wasn't good enough. On Saturday, am I overly concerned about them? No, uh, the rebounding is a major issue, though, and honestly, uh, it's why they didn't make the second week in the NCAA tournament last year because Michigan State out toughed them. So they're a little bit of a they're they're a high end team that can make the Final Four, but guys, what what this past weekend showed is that the country's wide open, and that the NCAA tournament for everybody it's draw dependent. For everybody, it's draw dependent. And, you know, in the midst of all this, sometimes it's okay if you're not playing anybody because Arizona's number one. And the only reason why, I mean, they, they've won games. Don't get me wrong, but at least well, let's, let's talk about that. The only, Are they... why, the only reason why is that if, you know, like they, sometimes it's okay to fly underneath the radar. Are they the best team in college basketball? They're going to be number one everywhere. Are they the best team in college basketball? T.O., what do you think? Right now, oh, yeah. yeah. Right now, yes. Well, do, let me let me rephrase it. Do they deserve to be number one, or are they like actually the best team? Is there a best team? Uh, I, I'm kind of at the point where I think there's nine teams that are the best team. It, and they're all yeah, just you're, as you're, good. you're right, but I think they deserve to be number one right now because they I have agree. a win at Duke and a neutral win over Michigan State. They deserve it, just like Florida State deserved to be in the college football playoff. They deserve <laughs> it. That, we call that a callback. That's right. <laughs> um, can I make an argument? I, I agree with you that it should be uh it should be um Arizona as number one. Can I Houston's make an argument? Yeah, Houston's really good. Can I make an argument for Kansas as like being a team that we are are very much undervaluing at this point? No, they beat, you, they, you can if you want. They beat Kentucky on a neutral, right? They beat Tennessee on a neutral, they beat Yukon. Their only loss is to a very good Marquette team on a neutral. They are three and one in games against top 20 opponents. Three of those games are on a neutral four. What would you expect like any other team in the top 25 to do in that circumstance? Probably three and one's the best case scenario, right? I understand they have a loss, but they've been just as good as, as anybody. I, I'm, I'm very much back in on this Kansas team. Go ahead, Fanta. Okay. I, I think they're really good. I'm not very much like back in. So one of us will be right. One of us will be wrong. I, I think they are who they are. I think they're one of the best teams in the country. If they had more consistency on the perimeter, I would think that they're, that they, that they are the clear number one, but guys, 
as as good as KJ Adams was against UConn, I, I don't think he's going to do that every game offensively. There's a reason why UConn was giving him those opportunities. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, it's going to be controversial. I don't think Hunter Dickinson can win a national championship. There, I said it. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I like losing basketball player, huh, Fanta? No, 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 no. I don't think, no, I'm not a hater. I don't think he's a losing basketball player. He's not getting, honestly, he's having a, a very good year. He's one of the best players in the country. There's just, there's just something off with them. I, I, I can't pinpoint it. But the, the with biggest them thing, or him? With them, with them collectively. And, and I don't know what he asked. It, it's just, guys, when I think Kansas, I think of an elite two or three. And McCullough's been that guy, but he, McCullough's more of a three-four. Now he's a Swiss Army knife, and he's been great. And if he continues to play at this level, they can win. But guys, Harris is so up and down from a shooting perspective. He's so up and down, and they're not getting enough at the two. I mean, for me, what they end up doing, an underlying key could be how much Johnny Furphy grows in season. I, yeah, that's it. It's it's Johnny Furphy or Nick Timberlake. One of those two has to step up and be like a uh, like a thirty eight percent three point eight point to ten point per game kind of a guy. I always want to say Johnny Furby. Do you remember Furby. Furbies? You yeah, remember Furbies? yeah, but it's Johnny Furphy. I know. Yeah, I, I'm aware, but I just want to say Furby, and I think that Kansas should have a Furby night instead of a Furphy night, and then hand out Furbies. Okay, as long as it's not a furry night. <laughs> Rob would be there in a minute. <laughs> Rob, Rob would be there so fast. <laughs> you guys know, from Fog Allen. Yeah. Well, I know Trevor Valise has a furry costume. Oh, no. Oh, boy. No. It just ruined my day. Oh. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of jokes I want to make right now. <laughs> gonna move right what animal? past them. What animal? I was Boca. I was Boca. Oh, it was Boca was awesome. The the field of sixty eight tip off was awesome. I don't think that it could have gone any better. Uh, maybe if like did my man had, Mike Corey did my man Mike Corey come and say hello. Yeah, we had, we oh, went man. out with him. We had we had beers Thursday night with him. We had beers Friday night with him. He uh, he he shouted us out the entire game. Uh, he, yeah. he did. He's good at that. He's, yeah, good he took, at that. He's, good, he, he's a good guy. He took care of your boy on that one. That was awesome. Um, no, I was, I don't think it could have gone any, the only way it could have gone better was if one, uh, we were able to get that, that game in the middle, the Friday night game that wasn't on ESPNU. It was on flow sports. Um, they had the Charleston radio team calling the game. If we had been able to get that one on field of 68, I think that could have been better, which is a, a nice little tease for, uh, maybe some things that we can talk about uh, in the future. But um, and then if there was like a, a game winner or something like that. But I thought the Liberty Charleston game was fantastic. I thought the Liberty, uh, the FAU Charleston game for. So what people don't realize, and we didn't really talk about this on the show. Um, and I don't know if I'm allowed to actually say this or not. But uh, Pat Kelsey, after the game, the, the Friday night game was back in FAU's arena and was like doing chin ups on the rim. And one of the FAU guys happened to see that. And uh, and 
if you want to know why things were so testy during the FAU Charleston game in the first half, it's because FAU didn't like that, uh, that somebody went into their arena and did pull-ups on the rim, that somebody uh, left a nice little R-City uh, written um, in uh, in the practice gym, in the practice facility that they had. A you know, permanent Pat, marker? No, no, not a permanent marker. Oh. Um, but, like, Pat, what Pat Kelsey does very, very well is is kind of build a team with an identity that is going to, like, fight for each other, right, the, the, the culture and all that stuff. Uh, but um, – Sometimes that can make people upset. And I think it made the FAU team. FAU is damn good, by the way. Like they are, they are legit. Yeah. Okay. After seeing, I've seen, I've seen Arizona in person. I've seen Kansas in person. I've seen UConn in person. I've seen, I'm going to see North Carolina in person. I've seen Kentucky in person. I've seen Michigan State in person. I've seen a lot of the top teams in person now. I've seen Purdue in person. And FAU was just as good as any of them. Is that a crazy thing yep. to say? No, they made the final four last year, Rob. Yeah, they're <laughs> just as good as any of them. Like they have a level of size and a level of athleticism. Yeah. Your boy Vlad is awesome. By the way, he, by awesome. the way, he rides he, he rides a bike everywhere on campus, right? And on on your Fanta, you'll love this. On Friday night for the Charleston uh, the Charleston Liberty game, he came and sat in the stands. Uh, with his five-month-old puppy. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that, that's a big old uh, Bernese Mountain Dog. You ever seen those? A Bernese Mountain Dog in Boca? <laughs> yeah. Poor dog. <laughs> Poor this dog. was not well thought out. Yeah. yeah. By old Vladdy. Uh, no, that's it. everyone on that team is just so likable. Like so they, unselfish. That yeah. that was the thing that's that's the thing that sticks out more than anything. Is like there was a play where somebody threw an alley-oop from like half court and instead of like trying to catch it and go back up with it the guy caught it i can't remember who it was you're gonna have to forgive me but he it was caught Lorian. it i remember it and was then instead of trying to fix it he caught it in the air and in other corner and mm-hmm. it was just like man there's not many teams that have guys that would do that let alone 10 guys that'll do that yeah and uh so the next fau game when they play illinois in the jimmy v classic on tuesday night Watch the bench. Watch Nick Boyd. Nick Boyd can't play yet. He spends the entire fucking game, like, on the court, like, doing the shock of smart. Like, let's play some defense. Like, calling out the sets, running out there, celebrating every three. The dude wants to be out there so bad. I watch him. I'm just like, man, you got to. There's no way that you're going to get your knee healthy is if you're out there just running around, jumping around, playing and sitting in a defensive stance. Yeah. Um. All right. Listen, guys, this has been fun. We got a bunch of good games this week. Got a bunch of really good games this weekend. I want everybody that's listening to this to clear your calendar on December 16th. All right. Cancel all the kid birthday parties you were supposed to go to. Cancel whatever holiday party you're supposed to have on your schedule. If you got to go call a game, cancel it, Fanna. T.O., if you got a Hornets game, call in sick. December I 16th. I do have a I, I do have a Hornets game. What's up? It's going to be the best day of college basketball games we have all season long. Purdue's playing Arizona. Kentucky is playing North Carolina. It goes on and on. And Clemson on plays Memphis that day. Yes, it is going, and that's like the like fifteenth best game of the day. Like it's insane that's how crazy. many good games that's there are. Crazy. Clear your schedule. Make sure you guys are available. Get your couch nice and ready. Buy that new TV to make sure that you got it set up 
for game time. Buy a second TV because you're going to need at least three screens to get this thing done. And we'll see you guys again next week. DTF Podcast, John Fanta, Terrence Oldsby, Rob Dahlstrom. Boom!